you passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created? Well, the Product Launch Rebel Podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of VentureSuperfly.com, John Benzik. Hello, Product Launch Rebels, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel Podcast. I'm John Benzik from VentureSuperfly.com, where we help double your entrepreneurial courage, even if you don't know what you're doing. Please visit the VentureSuperfly.com website, visit our contact page, and join our mailing list. Today, I'm interviewing Rita Katona. She's the founder of a food and beverage brand called So Good, So You. It's a company dedicated to creating delicious, better-for-you beverages and foods, making them accessible to people looking to live a healthier life. Before starting So Good, So You, Rita had a successful career working both for Target Corporation and the Home Shopping Network with roles in merchandising and sourcing. And interestingly, until the age of eight, Rita grew up in the country of Hungary, where she and her family grew the foods they ate in their garden. And that's where she started her passion for wholesome, pure foods. To learn more about So Good, So You, visit SoGoodSoYou.com. Hello, Rita. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. Thank you, John, for that warm welcome. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So, Rita, within this podcast, there are three segments. The first is called Give Me the Basics, which helps set the context about your company for our listeners. The second part is Let's Get Personal, where we get into some of the more personal topics about what it's like to start a business. The final part is what I call Tell Me How, where we'll get to the heart of the matter on issues that aspiring entrepreneurs want to know now to help them move forward. Rita, what do you think? Are you ready for some questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. Fantastic. All right, here we go. Rita, so tell me the story. How did you originally come up with the idea to start So Good, So You? Well, John, it was actually on a gorgeous beach in Mexico. My husband had just proposed to me, so that was about four and a half, five years ago. And uh, we were talking about what we wanted to do in the next phase of our lives. I, as you mentioned, um, was growing a a successful retail career um, at large corporations. I was at Target at the time. And My husband um, had always inspired me because he is a serial entrepreneur and my passion of health and wellness and just helping people feel better was something that was not being necessarily fulfilled in my corporate career. And as we talked about what we wanted to do together and build together as a couple, going forward in our life, he encouraged me to to take the leap and finally start that business that I had always dreamed of starting. Um, and the the idea had always been in my head for several years at that time to start uh, a cold pressed juice business in Minnesota and Minneapolis in particular. Um, we are voted 
the healthiest city in the United States the last two years, I believe. And there is just such a, a, a hub of um, activity around the wellness uh, topic, whether it comes whether it's fitness or food here in the Twin Cities. And I saw this as a white space um, and a niche that had not been filled. So initially, the idea was just starting a company here locally, but that grew very quickly once I kind of jumped and took the leap from corporate to starting the business. And now we are three years old, just celebrated our third anniversary. And besides a juice bar, and a line of cold pressed juices, we have four other uh, better for you food and beverage lines as well. So we have a, a plant-based uh, coffee and nut milk line. We have uh, an all natural uh, made with real ingredients and refrigerated baby food line. And most recently launched two new beverage lines, uh, a juice shot line and a superfood uh, super lemonade line, both with probiotics. So five product lines in three years. The company now employs about 25 full-time employees and about 10 uh, contractors um, that we work with year-round. And uh, we're in over a 1,000 doors nationwide, nationally distributed um, with UNFI and KHE brokers, um, and continuing to grow. That's very exciting and so much within such little time. Yes, it is. Fantastic. Congratulations. Rita, most entrepreneurs go into business with a set of assumptions, and many of those assumptions prove to be different from what they expected, thereby making them scramble to make changes in order to survive. Regarding So Good's uniqueness, did your original assumption about that special piece, that uniqueness, did that prove motivating to consumers? Or did you discover a slightly different selling proposition after being in business for a while and after getting some customer feedback? The initial initial product uniqueness continues to give us a right to win in terms of our juice line regionally. Um, however, because the consumer products category and particularly the natural foods category is one that changes so rapidly, we often, um, as we, we speak with industry veterans, they liken it to the tech um, industry. It is ever-changing, um, and thankfully, I, I am a, a creator at heart, um, and because of that, our, our business continues to evolve as well. So new product lines continue to be launched. And as um, new research comes to, to play and we are able to um, capitalize on the manufacturing expertise and resources and infrastructure that we've built out, um, we are able to uh, capitalize on those opportunities. That's fantastic. So Rita, let's get personal on a few topics. Many aspiring entrepreneurs don't know what they don't know before starting a business. They're sort of unconsciously incompetent in certain areas, not as fully prepared as they thought they should be or could be in starting a business. Before you started so good, to what extent were your previous career skills and knowledge aligned with your task of launching a food and beverage brand? Let's say on a scale of one to 10, 10 being very aligned, 
How did your previous skills and knowledge fit with your new startup? I'm going to say a seven, seven to an eight, seven point five. Yeah. Um, I did not have any manufacturing experience or any any specific food experience. However, my deep background in retail gave me a significant amount of knowledge and experience that allowed me to put together the business plan and think through the process of starting launching and growing the business, growing distribution, pricing models, promotional planning, and even just identifying white space opportunities and and how to talk to buyers about our product. That was invaluable and continues to be to this day. I feel like having sat on the other side of the table, um, if you will, as the buyer, hearing presentations uh, from other brands and companies and and entrepreneurs gave me unique insight into what buyers are looking for. Rita, is there anything that you know now that you didn't know that has been critical to your success as a entrepreneur? So many things, John. I I will say probably the my biggest learning that I I continue to uh, get better at as the company grows is the the fundraising and uh, process of obtaining and, and managing capital. That was not something that um, I was familiar with. And, and honestly, that's not something that you can you listen to a, necessarily listen to a podcast about or, or read books about until you've experienced it yourself because every scenario and every situation is going to be so unique and, and one that I, I continue to embrace the journey of, of learning more about. Yeah, that is very interesting and, and very common, especially for people that don't have financial background. Exactly. Rita, many entrepreneurs, including very successful ones, have regrets in doing things wrongly or not in the right way early in their entrepreneurial journey. And I think those regrets can reveal valuable lessons to aspiring entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast. Since you started so good, would you have approached the business differently if you'd go back and do it over again? No, I I don't think that I would. We are at a very exciting time for the business um, as it continues to, to blossom into new product categories and we continue to get deeper penetration in the categories that we are in. So I, I try not to spend too much time dwelling and, and looking back or, or having regrets. One, one nugget of advice that I would give to people just starting out in something like this, whether it's a food company or anything, is to make sure that all of their ducks are, are in a row when it comes to the structure of their company because it can be um, incredible incredibly time consuming and potentially crippling to a company that is already up and running if it runs into any speed bumps that then require, if you will, pressing pause to get get your kind of house in order, whether, whether it be the ownership structure or capitalization structure of the company, um, making sure that all of all of those things, bookkeeping, et cetera, the processes um, to to launch the framework of the company are 
are done correctly. And there are a plethora of resources available and advisors to, to help somebody just starting out in that. And so I would encourage all entrepreneurs just getting started to take advantage of those resources and make sure that, that they're, they're getting started on the right foot. Yes, very good advice. Very wise advice. Let's talk about your motivation to start a business. You alluded to that earlier about when you got engaged, but it seems that nine out of 10 people just talk about starting a business and they never start one. It's all show and no go, frankly. And starting a business is pretty special, Rita, as you know. What motivates a person like you, Rita Katona, to stop just talking about launching a business and to actually go out and start a food and beverage company? Well, um, this is such an awesome question. And honestly, I will say there's a reason that that nine out of 10 people just talk about it and don't do it. And, And probably that's the right decision for them because it's it's an incredibly unique and challenging and uniquely challenging thing to to be an entrepreneur but my first inspiration um as i mentioned was my my husband he's been a serial entrepreneur and just seeing him so excited and happy and passionate to get up and and do his work every single day was very inspiring for me and it was not that hard for me to think about and and find what that thing was that made me feel that way. Um, that thing that I would do even if I didn't get paid because for a while I didn't get paid and and um, kind of what what made me tick and that's making people feel better and and through being healthier and taking care of themselves. And Ultimately, the the other major thing that I'm I'm passionate about is is helping people contribute and give back, and particularly the environment. So, one of the most profound and impactful things that any individual can do, both for their health but also for the health of the the planet, the environment, is to eat a mostly plant based diet and eating a plant-based diet in the U.S. is something that unless you live in Southern California or perhaps New York City or certain pockets of the country, it is extremely difficult um, from a perspective of accessibility um, first and foremost. And so the idea to start a food and beverage company that made particularly plant-based options accessible to people um, ultimately was what I said that's going to make me jump out of bed every morning and and be inspired to grow the company regardless of of how hard it was because it it is harder and it takes longer than you would ever imagine and and every entrepreneur is going to run into challenges and it's going to be difficult and um, you have to have that that driving motivation and that passion to stick with it and not just walk away and do the easier thing and go back to your corporate job. And so has that been your biggest joy providing accessibility to healthy food and beverages or is there something else that has been the biggest joy driver for you? That absolutely has been the biggest joy. I I keep a file on my computer and I occasionally share it with with our team um, that I call love letters. We get 
emails, letters, commentary comes through social media, um, sometimes out into the the public domain, but sometimes directly uh, to me of people thanking us for making the products that we make and thanking us for for getting it to um, their little co-op in the middle of Iowa or Wisconsin. And, and sometimes they go into stories about how um, they've been struggling with some sort of illness or, or whatnot and how our products are making them feel better. And that is absolutely the, the most rewarding thing about what what we do. And I try to share that with everybody at the company because I know it's something that gives a, a, a great deal of satisfaction to everyone on our team. Yeah, that must be must be very rewarding indeed. We talked about the joys, obviously, but you were alluded earlier about how challenging starting a business is. What has been your biggest frustration? Honestly, getting everything done. We, the, our goal, you, you talked about our mission, healthy, healthy foods and beverages, making them accessible to, to people. It's a lofty goal as missions and visions should be, um, but we are a manufacturer. We are uh, a retailer, so we operate cafes. We're about to open two more in the next quarter. Um, and we sell online direct to consumer through our website. And then we also distribute sometimes direct to retail or sometimes through distributors. So several different business models going on, many different kind of both employees and leadership teams. And, and um, it's a lot to, to juggle. So getting everything done is certainly something that every single day I have to reprioritize. Yeah, that is a tremendous amount of work there. Rita, many entrepreneurs, even seasoned ones, experience self-doubt as they go along their entrepreneurial journey. How much self-doubt have you had, if any, and how have you dealt with it? I think it's uh, it's human to to question your yourself and your decisions. So probably every day. And I think you have to, to make sure that you're doing things right. I mean, it's an, it's an incredible privilege, but a, a tremendous responsibility. I feel to our customers, to my entire team, to our investors. So I, I do um, make, make sure that I am challenging and questioning my decisions, but that I am not spiraling into something that is more akin to worry because worry is not productive. So I make sure that I am being productive. And if something keeps coming up, I reach out to um, one of our, our many incredible advisors and they always help me kind of talk through what's happening. So I make sure that I take action because worrying, um, doesn't do anybody any good. So I think a healthy amount of, of self-doubt and questioning to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and growing and leading the company in the right way. Starting a business is very difficult, as you know. How has starting your own business changed you, if at all? Starting the business in some ways hasn't changed me, in certain ways has changed me to the core. I'll, I'll explain a little more detail. I, I've certainly, I've realized my priorities and the things that need that I need from me to be happy are quite 
different than what I thought going into starting the, the company. And that that's been a really wonderful discovery. Actually, I, I realized that I need a lot less than I thought to, to make me happy. Um, and this helps me prioritize my work and my personal life uh, a lot more efficiently. Um, and then the other thing is that the efficiency is I've just learned to become a lot more efficient at at stuff, at, at life. Ordering groceries because I don't have time to run to the grocery store. So I'm, I get stuff delivered, for example, and working with my team on effective delegation. So uh, that has been a, a wonderful learning and a, and a side effect of the company as well. You mentioned that your husband was an inspiration to you with his entrepreneurial background. Who else has been most influential to you in your life, either professionally or personally? Well, you know, part of, uh, I think, what started all of this is you, you mentioned that I grew up in Hungary and I'm, I'm Hungarian. My grandmother um, had a, a home garden that was probably an acre or an acre and a half. And up until um, she passed away when she was in her 80s, that garden was her pride and joy. And she got up every day, um, unless it was frozen over, and spent the entire day tending to that garden. And uh, we lived with her when I was younger for a couple of years. And so I have fond memories of growing up in that ba that backyard, massive backyard garden and picking berries off of the bushes and helping pick weeds and things like that. And so it really connected me to where food is supposed to come from. And it was many, many years later in my 20s that I had the aha moment after having grown up most of my life, my formative years uh, later on in school in the United States and, and kind of getting sucked into college and what people eat in college that I had the aha moment of how disconnected I was becoming and how disconnected most most people are from where their food comes from. And so in, in that way, my grandmother was probably the most influential person to to this company starting and what I'm doing now is trying to make that connection more apparent to people and taking many, many steps and processes out of the process, uh, processes out of getting food to people and, and packaged food to people. Yeah, that experience with your grandma, what a gift that was indeed. So here we are in the Tell Me How segment of the podcast, Rita, where we aim to get to the heart of the matter regarding key issues for aspiring entrepreneurs. Rita, let's talk about raising capital. It sounded like you raised some capital for so good. Tell me more about that. Did you raise from investors, from friends and family? Tell me more. So we, um, we were actually self-funded for the first two years. We had one initial investor in the, the beginning who um, was a personal connection. And then we did several um, smaller bridge loan rounds bridging to a larger investment that we closed on last October. So that process was something that our attorney 
um, helped us navigate through and and an advisor who is also an investor connected us to this corporate attorney and he is just incredible and I've referred um, other entrepreneurs to work with him as well and they've come back with with similar accolades so he was um, he was kind of the the linchpin to educating me um, and my husband, who's also the COO of the the company, in um, how we went about raising the right capital to grow our business. Based on that experience of raising capital, what is your top piece of advice regarding raising capital for aspiring entrepreneurs? It's going to be a, an easy one that I'll pass on from uh, one of our, our very wise and seasoned advisors is to raise more capital than you think you need because you will you will need more than you think you need and it takes a long time to go through that process of fundraising. Let's switch gears and talk about finding a manufacturer which is in a lot of cases what people do in your business but it sounds like you chose to do the manufacturing yourself. Is yeah. that is that right and why did you choose, make that decision? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the in the beginning, uh, there was not another option. We wanted to be a local, a brand that sold locally and was connected to to the community. And um, there were some contract manufacturers for cold pressed juices um, on the coasts, but nothing that was um, accessible to us. And more importantly, um, even even now when there's there's been a little bit more um, Midwest regional opportunity um, for co-manufacturing, the the quality of the product and what we've we've built and what we stand for is something that is so important that we would not have um, the similar controls um, and and the with the fully essentially vertical integration of the manufacturing process that we have now if we handed that over to somebody else. So we we did it the hard way and we did it the expensive way and we found a, a shell space and did a lot of internet research on figuring out how we would make the product essentially like I make it um, and at my home kitchen, which is where I developed all of the recipes, and we figured out how to scale everything up. And within the first year, once we started um, selling our product into wholesale distribution and through other retailers, we realized that we had reached the maximum capacity for that that facility in the first year. So we were fortunate enough to, uh, within two miles of the first location, um, found another uh, manufacturing facility that's much larger and have m moved into that facility two years ago where we have um, significant uh, additional expansion capabilities. That's really interesting and exciting to operate your own facility like that. Let's change the topic and talk about selling the product to other retailers. Obviously, you had a background in that working with Target and home shopping networks, or you have a bit of a leg up there on that. But do you have any advice for first-time food and beverage companies or entrepreneurs on how they can best approach retailers for the first time? Absolutely. So first of all, making sure that you are 
you're obviously passionate about your product, otherwise you you wouldn't be making it. So that's going to be easy. Um, and I think that that part just comes naturally to to us because we're it, it's our baby. So it, it's not a sleazy sales pitch and and don't don't listen to anybody that tries to turn your presentation into something other than what comes truly from the heart and what you're passionate about. But the the most important thing and the what the mistake that I see food um, entrepreneurs make over and over that are just getting started is they're pricing their product at what they think they need to make and not what the market will bear. So the, the most important thing, and this came naturally to me because I was a buyer, is doing your market research and going into the stores, um, particularly visiting the stores that you're about to pitch to so that you can be intelligent in talking to the buyer about their assortment and their stores and their customer. And then, then understanding what what are the the key price points and what is your competition doing and where will you be potentially merchandised or um, how the retailer will price your product w- within that set um, and and ultimately just starting out it's a it's a losing battle because when you're manufacturing something in small scale you don't have the economies yet to be price competitive if you're trying to make the margin that you think you need to make eventually. So you have to do a lot of a lot of, of educating um, of yourself and to understand where your margins need to be and to feel confident that once you have proof of concept and you start to scale your manufacturing, that with that volume, you will get to the margins that you need to make. Yeah, that's very thoughtful and helpful advice. Most startups have small marketing budgets. You're talking about getting the product on the shelf and some of these retailers and some tips to do that. But sometimes the hardest part is getting the product off the shelf once it's in the door. And like I said, with small with a small marketing budgets, how have you been able to create consumer awareness and demand for the product to get it off the shelf and to show some good successful performance in the retailer. Yeah, so we had a, a very grassroots approach uh, at, upon our first launch, and I think this is akin to to many food and beverage brands. You have a home court advantage. It's a lot easier to be on the ground and doing um, events and sampling and and just kind of guerrilla marketing tactics when when you're in your own region in your hometown so we did a lot of that in the first two years um we uh, we pursued an aggressive social media um campaign social media strategy as well and and gosh in the last uh year to two years that has been kind of a an ever-changing and moving target to to um continue to employ the same tactics that that we have in the past but it was it was critical to build uh, a solid brand um, locally within the region and then start to to move out from there finally Rita did I miss any questions that you feel like you'd like to provide answers to or do you have any closing bits of advice for our aspiring entrepreneur listeners I think my my biggest piece of advice in, in closing would be to make sure that 
anyone who is looking to make a major change in their lives by starting their own company and, and pursuing something that has been nagging at them is that they're surrounded by a supportive network of both friends and family that is going to have their back on on those tough days, but also a supportive network of advisors and cheerleaders on, on the business side that will help them grow their business. And to make sure that you really are so passionate about this thing that you are doing that if you don't do it, it will keep nagging at you until you do. Because so many people um, I see going into starting their own business for the wrong reasons, and that that sets things off on the wrong tone, and and they end up being a lot less likely to succeed, as I mentioned before, when times get tough, which they inevitably will. That's where it becomes so critical that your your passion and the why of why you are doing this is at the heart of the business so that you have the fortitude and and stamina to keep going. Rita, that's some wise closing advice. Let's leave it at that. You've been a fantastic guest offering some great stories and advice to our aspiring entrepreneur listeners. Congratulations on your success, for your entrepreneurial courage, and for sharing your experiences with us today. Thank you so much, John. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business.